0: <laughs> the Jews did not believe that he had been blind after he had received his sight until he called the parents of the man who had received his sight at 19 and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he see? does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents asked, not sorry, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue.
1: See that? Mm -hmm. Keep going.
0: Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him.
1: That's right. Nice. His parents. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Is this your son? Yeah. Was he born blind? Yeah. How does he see? I don't know.
0: (laughs) Ask him. He's old enough. He could be his own witness. Go ahead. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, "Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner." He answered. Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that through that, though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become <laughs> his disciples? <laughs> and, they, and they revealed him, saying, you are his disciple, but we... Our disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where He
1: comes from. So I'm just going to interject right here. I love what Jesus says in, in John chapter five. He says in cha- John chapter five, he says, "I don't judge you. I'm not your judge. Moses is your judge. Why? Because Moses spoke of me, but you don't believe him. So, th- so what, what Jesus is saying, if you were actually listening to Moses, you'd actually be listening to me. You claim to be listening to Moses, but you're not. Mm-hmm. And the evidence is that you're not accepting me. Mm-hmm. He says, he says, oh, there's just some other things. I'll leave it there.
0: Alright, go ahead. The man answered, Why this is an ama- why is this why is an amazing thing? Uh, you do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. <laughs> we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will God listens to him never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind if this man were not from God he could, not, he could do nothing they answered him you were born in utter sin and would you teach us and they cast him out okay. did you, you
2: catch
1: this I love the boldness of this guy They're like, you know, who are you, a sinner, going to teach us? He's like, "Uh, you know, and he turns around and goes, you don't know where he came from? Seriously? Seriously? Where have you ever, see, this is my point. Man's problem is not a problem of evidence. They don't believe because they don't want to believe. Because if they believe, it disturbs what they do believe. It disturbs what they do believe. Hmm. All right. We got more. There's a lot more actually, so but we're 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 more than halfway through.
0: Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he? Sir, that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Okay,
1: pause right there. Do y'all remember that phrase from our study so far?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you understand why that's significant when he asks that question? Because Daniel chapter 7, when he refers to the Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7, he's talking about the uh, exalted Messiah who's going to reign over the world. So keep going. He's, and the context is, um, do you believe in the Son of Man? He, he, in the context, we know he's not simply referring to because Son of Man can mean a human being. He wouldn't simply ask him, hey, do you believe in a human being? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm a human being. So he's either saying, do you believe in a human being? Or he's going by the one who has that specific messianic title from Daniel 7. Mm-hmm. So he's calling himself the Messiah right here. And he's putting on himself the position of deity when he does it. If we, from when we studied that a couple of weeks ago, that it came out. All right, go ahead.
0: So, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus, you said, see, there you
1: go once more. Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. So it's tying that whole concept together. How did, he, how did he begin to behave when he understood who he was? That's right.
0: Go ahead. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. <laughs> so, do you see how uh,
1: what's going on in this text directly ties to what was going on with Philadelphia? They're being kicked out of the synagogues. Here's talking to this right here. These are people that are just, the guy gets healed. He stands up. and He's what's happened to him. Gets kicked out. His parents are afraid of what? Being kicked out. And Jesus is is saying what? I'm the one with the keys. Do you believe in me? I'm the one who holds the key. I'm the one who's the son of man. I'm the one who's the rider on the clouds.
2: Hmm.
0: All right. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs... And by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Okay,
1: this is huge. Jesus is the one who holds the what? The key. To the what? A door. What's a key open? A door. A door. And so he's saying he is the what? The shepherd. the shepherd. He's the gatekeeper, the shepherd, the one responsible. This is what's going on. So anyone who is not going through Jesus and claiming to be leading the sheep is actually what? That's what Jesus is saying here. Anybody that's not going through him and claiming to be leading sheep is a thief and a robber. Do you see it? Keep reading.
0: To him, the gatekeepers open. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name And leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know his voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So um, this
1: is this makes a lot of sense in a Middle Eastern setting. Um, uh, I wish I could remember more of the details of this but I remember enough to know to show the significance of it it was a setting in which um, all there were, there were different shepherds and all of their sheep ended up getting mixed up together um, and um, there was one particular shepherd boy who wanted to get his sheep to take them and to lead them out and he literally just went up to the gate opened it and he began to call and when he called all those who were his sheep literally left the rest and followed him out. They actually literally followed him out of the pen. And those that were his followed him out. Those that weren't stayed. So when he's using this, they understood exactly what this meant. Now he's turning around and says, I am the shepherd. I am the shepherd. He says, do you want to know who belongs to the Father? They're the ones that listen to me.
0: Then why does it say they did not understand?
1: Um, he's speaking, he's, okay, so he he is speaking in parables, right? Right. And so very often when somebody's speaking in parables, they don't understand because they don't want to understand. So
0: they understood the sheep
1: thing. Yeah. They would have known, they would have understood the, the analogy that he's using, but they wouldn't have understood that he was talking about who he is. He's the shepherd of the sheep. He's the one, it's his voice people need to be listening to. Now, having said that, um... Well, let's read this first, and then I'll tell the story. Go ahead.
0: So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Uh, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep he who is hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees uh, and the wolf snatches them and snap and snatches them he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep i think that's where we
1: end I oh, know we end a little bit more
0: No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words.
1: Yeah, there are people not
0: <laughs> not
1: getting the picture, not following, not understanding what he's saying. But there's some really key important things throughout this particular passage we're looking at. I want to just hit on a couple of highlights and and then go forward. One thing that is hugely important, if there's one thing Jesus says about his followers, they can hear his what? Voice. I remember being a young believer and um, reading that and going, well, I'm not sure if I'm a sheep because I don't know that if I can hear Jesus' voice. And that really kind of scared me. So I went to the park, Patapsco State Park. There's multiple ones, I went to the one off of Route 40. I remember where I went. And I decided to spend the whole day to sit there in the park and try to hear the voice of Jesus because I wanted to be a sheep. And it says, my sheep hear my voice. So I sat there all day long. I heard you know, birds and squirrels, I heard people. I heard a lot of things in the woods, but I didn't hear anything that I thought was the voice of Jesus. And I went home uh, completely dejected, wondering if I was a sheep. Um, i was, I had moved out of the house I was living, renting a room in a in a house, and uh w- when I got there, <laughs> I walk in the door, and there just so happens to be sitting at the kitchen table a visiting pastor. <laughs> God's so good and he could look at my face and immediately tell you know that that something was up so um, says what's up I told him told him what's up and he said interesting he said you know the Bible says while we were enemies Christ died for us I said yeah he says that means that we never go to him first he always comes to us
2: "Hmm."
1: he said so if you're going about your day and all of a sudden, you start having thoughts about the Lord? That's Him speaking to you. That's His voice. That's not you. I went, hmm. So I went to bed with a glimmer of hope. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, I got up almost the next day, day after, and I went, I'm, I'm at work. I'm working in a warehouse. I used to do lights professionally. I'm working in a warehouse. And I've got... <clears throat> Like when, when all the guys would leave, I would change the station to a Christian station and put it on and it'd blare in the warehouse with the Christian station. And fully expecting that this is a sub-story, but fully expecting that they would change the channel back to what they were listening when they would come in. They would come back and they would go, Ah oh, what's this? Who's listening to this? I said, I put it on. They wouldn't change it till I left the warehouse. Then they were gonna change it. It was really funny. I didn't I wasn't trying to put it on, and I was expecting they would change it. But I, I just, you know, I'm there by myself. I don't listen to what I'm going to listen to. But anyway, I'm walking around and I'm listening. Yeah. And I just start having thoughts about the Lord. And I'm thinking about him, meditating on him and just enjoying relationship with him. And right in the middle of that, he speaks to my heart. and says, this is not you thinking of me. This is me speaking to you. It's huge. I just started weeping right there in the warehouse. Like I'm a sheep, I'm a sheep. <laughs> no, 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 I not do that. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was truly awesome. You know, one of the most important things we can do as believers is learn to cultivate that God is the, the voice of God. He's always speaking, He's always moving, and He's always inviting us to get in on what He's doing around us. So. You see all the conflict that's going on here, even in religious circles. And what Jesus is pointing out, if people aren't exhibiting him laying their lives down as he is, then they're thieves and robbers. They're not actually shepherds. This is a huge theme in Israel. This this imagery is used. God's people are called sheep throughout the scriptures. This This isn't a new picture. And this whole thing about good shepherds and bad shepherds is a theme that's used. God was the shepherd of Israel in the Old Testament. Jesus just said, who was the shepherd? God. He was. He says, I am the good shepherd. I lay my life. But in the Old Testament, God, Yahweh, was the shepherd of Israel. This is once again another one of those cases where Jesus is clearly putting himself in the place of Yahweh. We're not meant to miss these moments. And so Israel had a lot of false shepherds. A lot of false shepherds, and so we're going to look at a couple of these passages. So uh, let's thank Adam. Exactly. You've been doing great, reader. <laughs> Give somebody else a chance to read a couple of passages. Hang on, If nobody else volunteered. <laughs> need another volunteer? Somebody else want to read?
2: I'll read. All right. I can read from here. <laughs> you can read from there. Yeah, good, good. All right. So the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against. the... Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel, who has been feeding yourselves?
1: Catch that. Do you catch me saying? Shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. What have they been feeding on? The sheep. Instead of taking care of the sheep, they're eating the sheep. Keep going. Should not
2: shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, clothe
1: yourselves with the wool you slaughter the fat ones but you do not feed the sheep plant based do what? plant based yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> one more excuse to be vegan
2: no <laughs> excuse. Uh reason
1: reason there we go didn't mean it pejoratively go ahead so the weak you have not strengthened the sick you have, have you have not
2: healed the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with the force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. Whose sheep? My My sheep. sheep?
1: Yahweh's. Mm-hmm. Yahweh's calling himself the, the shepherd. I thought Jesus was the shepherd. The answer is?
2: Yes. yes. Keep going. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to
1: search or seek for them. So what did Jesus do? He strengthened them. The sick he healed. The injured he bound. The strayed he brought back. The lost he sought. With force and harshness. uh, I mean... um, Kindness. uh, Yeah. uh, The opposite of force and harshness. Uh, You see, he's doing everything. That the shepherd's supposed to do. Do y'all catch that? Mm-hmm. Alright, let's keep going here. Jeremiah.
2: What are the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have we have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you. We are able to you Declares the Lord, then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful people.
1: Anybody remember in John when that we were just reading that passage when Jesus said, "I have sheep who are not here." Hmm. Uh-huh. That's right. Fold. Not of this fold. Here he's talking about. It. I'm going to go gather them and bring them back from all the countries. He's prophesying Jeremiah. These connections. I'm just wanting us to see these connections through the scriptures as we're going through here. All right, go ahead.
2: Um, I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king, and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord
1: is our righteousness. Okay, so once again, we're tying back to David here. And, G- and, and so when Jesus is referring to himself as the one, with the key of David, the son of David, he is that righteous branch. He's referring to himself as the fulfillment of these prophecies, the good shepherd, the righteous one. So Jesus is the true shepherd of his people. If anyone is posing as a shepherd and attempts to exclude someone from the people of God, Jesus declares that it is he who determines who are his people and not a false shepherd. Thus, for those kicked out of the assembly, your comfort is in Jesus, who's your true shepherd. Uh, Revelation, this is three eight. I know your works. Behold, I have set before what time again. We're good. I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Often God favors those with little power. Anybody remember the story of David and Goliath? I, I just I was just I where am I? Was I reading this? Oh yeah, I'm actually reading a book. but this is this is. A, a, That this is in. Anyway, I love that story. I love that story because what did David when he went against Goliath? Saul put on him what? Who knows? Yeah, Saul put his armor on him. Saul's gonna try to dress him up like a soldier. And what did David say? David said, I have never fought anything like this. This is not gonna be good if I do this. He says, Just let me let me do my thing. What did David do? He went down to the river and got five smooth stones and stuck them in his little sack. And he came out because he didn't come out in his own strength. He came. The one thing that bothered David the most was was that this Philistine kept cursing God. That's what bothered David. The reason that David stood up and says, Who is this Philistine who is cursing the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Who is... Who is this? Why is nobody standing up to him? Is there not one person who actually has faith that God will keep his word? In the face of giants. Is there not one person, an entire army here who will not believe that God will keep his word in the face of giants? Second Corinthians chapter uh, uh, um, 12, verse one, I must go as the apostle Paul talking, I must go on boasting he's, And he's doing this. He doesn't want to be boasting. He's not doing that. Um, he says, though there, though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body. I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Okay, I remember first time I'm reading that, I'm like, when do we get to know what they are? (laughs) I want to know what those things are. And it's obvious Paul is talking. in a minute, it'll be even more obvious Paul's talking about himself here. He's talking about himself, but he's talking about himself not only in the third person, he's talking about himself as though it wasn't even him. Why would he do that? Why would he, he tells us in a minute why he does it. Okay. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would be a fool for I would be speaking the truth. I'm, 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 I'm say that again. Though if I wish to boast, I would not be a fool for I would be speaking the truth. He says, I'm not going to boast about this man and his great Uh, uh, his great visions and the great things he heard, because that's the first thing everybody is going to try to measure Paul by. He's a great man because he had these great spiritual experiences. No, I I don't even want you to know me for that. I want you to know me for my weaknesses. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears in me. I don't want anybody to think anything in me by those things. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, so it's obviously Paul's revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Here's Jesus saying, I know you don't have any power. I know you're being kicked out. But the fact of the matter is, You are actually in the place where my grace is being poured out. You are actually in the place where you are walking through a door that nobody can close. You are actually in a place where you're allowing me to display my glory. He said, um, said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, this brings us right back to where we were earlier. When, when, um, you know, we're we're looking at the blind man. And the first time we go through weakness, insult, hardship, persecution, and calamity, what's the first thing we do? What have I done? Yeah. Why? Why God? Why me? Why is this happening? Why? What do I do? How do I get out of this? Why? Instead of saying, "Lord, how is it that you want to use my weakness in the middle of this to display your glory?" How are you? Do you desire to display your glory through this? Because obviously, it ain't because of me. All right. Sometimes it is our brokenness that that in our brokenness that we most experience the power and greatness of God. I want, to, I, want to put a, I want to put a footnote to this. This doesn't mean that we should be always walking around like, woe is me, waiting for the next time a hammer falls. So I, okay. All it means is we are living our lives, we're living them for Jesus, and when stuff happens, God wants to use it for His glory. All things work together, the good and the bad. Instead of running from the bad so it should only be good, we should be embracing all things that Jesus can have his glory, not looking for things to be bad, but not looking to get out when it happens. If God makes a way out, that's who he is. That's what he does. But in all things to be glorifying him. Does this make sense? Um, Sometimes in our brokenness that we most experience the power and the greatness of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. Why? Why does he comfort us in all our affliction? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You know, one of the reasons we go through is so that we can have empathy for others. Now, imagine going into some place like the jail or wherever and showing up and seeing people and saying, wow,
2: man,
1: I love you. It's with much tribulation. We enter the kingdom of God. Hugging one another and walking forward. Even the call of Israel was the call of the smaller and the weaker. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all people. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath, is keeping the oath that He swore to your fathers. That the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Even even Israel was the small one. So I'll stop here because this kit takes us to a new part. Any questions, comments, thoughts? Yes, sir.
0: In my question, you know, how he presented himself in the gospel and how he presented himself in Revelation, would you say that's two different ways? It's like he presented himself as...
1: Yeah, so I would submit to you that Jesus is... Uh, uh, um, there, uh, who was it? Who was it? It was a, a, a preacher named Stuart. Famous Scottish preacher named Stuart, I believe. He said, there is nothing that confronts us like the contrarieties uh, that we are faced in the person of Jesus Christ. On the one side, he's knocking over the money changers. And the other side, he's saying, bring the little children to me. There's nothing that confronts us. He, is, he was completely austere in some settings and, and you wouldn't even think to touch him. And there's other settings when he's got his arms wrapped around people, loving people that are in their lowest place that is the contrast of god himself you know pure goodness there is nothing more fearsome in this world to be confronted with than pure goodness nothing more fearsome when you think about the holiness of god i've heard it many times bible project they use this they compare it to the sun because of the sun you can see everything but what happens when you get really close you get burned up Okay, so, um, you know, this is, this is exactly what we see. We see the Apostle John himself at the Last Supper lays his head back on the breast of Jesus because he is the disciple that God loves. And then we see him in the beginning of this book fall down like a dead man when he sees him in all his glory. That is the person of Christ. We are supposed to both love him entirely and fear him completely at the same time. Good. That's it. I love that. That's great. That's a quote from uh, C.S. Lewis in, in uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe who's talking about Aslan the Lion. when Somebody was describing Aslan the Lion. He says he's a good lion but he's not tame. I
2: know.
1: Yeah. Isn't that a great picture? That's a great picture. So, good question. Yeah, we're meant to see all these different things about Jesus. Love and truth. This, these letters, if you wanted to boil these letters down to a couple of things, you could boil them down to love and truth and faithfulness and casing it. Okay? For us to be faithful to him, we have to both be loving as Jesus is loving. But if we're loving without truth, he takes the candlestick away. But we also have to be truthful. But if we're truthful without love, he still takes the candlestick away. We have to be both truthful and loving at the same time as Jesus is. And that is not a balancing act. That's a tension. (laughs) It's a tension that pulls us into his perfection. Actually, that's a great question. Any others? Comments? Thoughts? Is this okay? All right. Do we need to pray for each other for anything?
2: Janet is in surgery.
1: She's. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's awesome. Anything else? Let's stand together. So I'm going to give you a commercial. Um, right, after, right after we finish this, this church here in Philadelphia, we're going to get into, because I know this is, um, uh, uh, we're going we're, we're to take some time and we're going to deal with the issue of being taken out. We're going to hit it a little bit here. But we're going to be dealing with the issue of being taken out. And what does it mean to be taken out? Is that like a rapture? Is that before a tribulation? Is that after a tribulation? We're actually going to look at that a little bit and um, spend some time in that. So, because uh, we're, we're, you know, it's, we, we wrestle with all the stuff. So we put it out there. All right. Just let you know that's coming up.